to everyone watching and listening to this. Welcome to Jezubak Talks, a podcast dedicated to sharing compelling stories of hope, determination, and humanity. You can't buy love, but you can rescue it. A brilliant motto of an organization that rescues and addresses issues of stray dogs in India. Hello, I'm Paige, a dog lover myself. Happy to talk to Deb Jarrett, founder of the organization Dharansala Animal Rescue on my podcast today. A little bit about Deb. Deb visited Dharamsala, the beautiful hill town in northern India, to spend several weeks volunteering at a preschool. While she did a wonderful job at that, her true calling came when she saw an injured dog lying on the roadside, left to die. She saved it, and on her return to the U.S., was determined to do something for the helpless dog population of Dharamsala. Deemed the accidental philanthropist by a friend, Deb believes it all happened on purpose. Today, Dharamsala Animal Rescue has implemented a humane and effective program for creating a healthy, sustained population of stray dogs, which directly impacts community health. Thank you for joining us, Deb. Very interested in listening to your story. Hi, um, thank you so much. Um, and um, yes, I, 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 it was so funny hearing our you reading that back to me. The mother. Like, anyone's ever done that before? <laughs> that was- <laughs> uh, it, it's a beautiful, it's a brilliant motto. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I totally forgot. Um, I haven't um, thought about that in a long time, but I remember when I, I did come home from India and I was actually living in a town called Boulder, Colorado at the time. And I mm-hmm. was um, just got my charity set up and I was um, letting friends know and, you know, what I was doing. And I think I was holding my first fundraiser and this woman I know um, because I'd always been in corporates and um, in tech and kind of, you know, working my way up the ladder. And she deemed me, yeah, the accidental philanthropist, which I thought was really (laughs) funny. (laughs) But what a wonderful uh, accident to happen. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely um, searching, I would say at that time for something to give my life um, more meaning. You know, um, I, I, I certainly was, I was about 40 years old. I was 40 and, you know, I had a great life. I mean, I, I, I can't complain. I was, <clears throat> you know, I had a good job. I owned a home. I lived in a beautiful town. I was going up to Vail skiing all the time, you know, like life was, you know, on paper, um, was, was pretty great. Um, but I just felt like I needed to do something a little bit more meaningful. And this trip to India, um, accidentally, um, for no better word, is what led me down this path. Um, Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Jezuba began with this very vision, a vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. 
Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Jazuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Let's talk about the human uh, dog, the stray dog conflict that is there. So it is quite prevalent in most countries uh, that I know of. So uh, when you talk about, of course, there is this uh, spaying, neutering, uh, you know, wanting to control uh, the dog population. What is it that uh, is taking so much time? Sure. Um, I would say, you know, it's the one thing that's a a tad different about Dharamsala um, uh, is that it's not as big of a town, let's say, as even Pune, where you live or Delhi. Um, And uh, and it's more there's some more rural areas. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is in a small if you if you work smaller, you can see change maybe a little quicker. I know when I'm reading stories across India these days, um, like just the other day, I know in, was it Telangana? Telangana? Am I saying that Telangana, yes. Yeah, there was like a mass poisoning of like a a few hundred dogs or something, which was just horrible um, because people just don't want them there, you know? Um, So let me back up. So when I, when I, I will say I've never seen, it is known that India has the most um, stray animals in the world um, and stray dogs specifically. There are other countries where there's stray dogs, like even in my country, there's um, can be issues with dogs. Um, but the one thing that makes the conflict between humans and dogs bigger, I would say in India, is that people are walking down the street daily and there's dogs everywhere and they might be terrified. Their parents might have told them as a kid. Um, special. I, I can really speak specifically to where um, we work. You're but a lot of times, you. kids are taught um, uh, from uh, when they're small children. Like if you see a stray dog, um, you know, throw a rock and run. You know what I mean? Like because the dog mm-hmm. might bite you. And unfortunately, that is is not helping, you know, uh, because if you're going to start throwing rocks at a dog, that dog is probably going to become either scared and quiver in a corner or might attack back. You know, the best thing to do would be to walk by and not, you know, so the other thing is, is some of these dogs have never had any interaction with humans at all. So, and any interaction they've had has not been good. So they'll start barking at people and then, People, you know, it, it, you know, it could be anything from like bicycles. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's just it causes a lot of conflict. So even if you are a dog lover, you may find some of the street dogs scary. You know, true, and, true, right. And then even if, um, especially when they're in packs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If they're in packs and you're walking down the street and there's not that many other people around, that can be pretty intimidating. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is that so, rabies is a big problem in India. So, um, so a lot of times the fact that people are afraid of getting bit, it's not just because the bite will hurt. It's that it potentially may cause a deadly disease. Absolutely. And even in Dharamsala, um, it was only... 2015, I can't remember the date, 2015 or 16, that our local government hospital even had the necessary um, post-bite protocol medication and vaccinations needed if someone got bit. So Mm -hmm. that person would either just die or they would have to drive to Chandigarh, which was like five hours away, to get the proper post-bite protocol. So there's just all these issues, which I had no clue about when I first went to India. Yeah. Right. So my question to you is, uh, you visited India during uh, 2012, and then you decided that you had to do something about it. And when you went back to your hometown that is in the US, you decided to start this nonprofit. And how, how soon did that happen? Yeah. So it was actually 2008. 2012 is when I ended up moving to India, but 2008 was my first trip. And um, uh, I think, as you mentioned in the uh, intro, is that I had been volunteering at a preschool and um, I walked from the village I lived in to this preschool every day. And when I walked, I just would see all of these dogs. Some just wanted food for me. Because I think white, they knew white people were going to give them food. <laughs> but um, then also I would see like shaking, dying puppies. I remember seeing a dog get hit by a car once and no one seeming to care. And then there was this dog um, in the uh, preschool, like right outside the preschool that I thought was basically dying. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do about it. Um, no one at the... Um, the the group that was running the volunteer placement didn't seem to know what to do about it. And finally, I met a man who was running, a local man who was running a street treatment program, got him to come um, to give medicine to this dog. So what was interesting is that prior to that, um, I would ask, you know, everybody asked, like they would either like shrug their shoulders or ignore me or you know, like they didn't know, how, they didn't want to answer my, they didn't know how to answer my question on what, how Probably, to yeah, because there was one every, around every corner, perhaps. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, but at the time is my first trip. I'm like, how can they not know how to help this dog? Meanwhile, I had no clue. There was, there was, there was no service for this. There was not even a right. private veterinary hospital at the time. Um, so finally I got this man to come help. And then next time I walked to the um, volunteer placement, this, I think he was probably like 18, 19 year old boy comes running up to me all excited saying the dog was doing better. And he named him. He, he said, hey, ma'am, Tommy's doing better. Tommy's doing better. And I literally had no clue what he was talking about. And he then he tells me, he's like, the dog, you know, you sent a doctor. <laughs> better my family's now feeding him we're giving him medicine so it kind of was just like a big like wow moment for me because Mm -hmm. I realized like oh there probably are many people who care for these dogs but they just have no clue what to do so they've had to like just learn how to live with all of this you know Mm -hmm. and it's the same I think there's lots of people on the roads you know that are 
begging and you know they don't know what to you just have to learn how to how to live with it but specifically right. with the dogs there was nothing um and so now the so dar now dharamsala animal rescue yeah. does um what are the programs that you conduct there sure so after that experience i was like you know what i'm gonna start this charity i'm gonna see if i can find more locals who want to help and i'll just see if i can get some funding to get the programs going so the first thing um, that any program like this for street dogs um, that needs to happen is a is a spay neuter program where you just catch the dogs and you sterilize them and you put them back on the street, which in India, that's the law. You have to put them back in the same place you took them from, which actually makes a lot of sense because these dogs are territorial. There's actually people that may be feeding them. They want to know what what's happening to them. But the best thing that it that the spay neuter program does is it state it can help stabilize the population and make sure in that one area that there's a healthy, sustainable population, so that no new Great. dogs are going to come in. The dogs that are there aren't going to have puppies. The dogs there aren't going to have rabies because we vaccinated them or we vaccinate them every year. So it's going to create this healthy population. And then right. what and you have staff. Sorry, you have staff there who is monitoring these programs. Yes. So we have staff there. We have a director um, who makes sure that these programs get in implemented. We have vets that are now trained um, by a group called the Worldwide Veterinary Service, which really is great at um, teaching um, groups and vets how to run proper sterilization programs so that they're, they're, they can be speedy. Um, efficient and humane and sterile, like all at the same time, you know. And uh, you you address only uh, dogs uh, at the moment, no stray cats, no other we animals. Will, yeah, we will absolutely spay or neuter a stray cat, but we need people to bring them to us. Um, mm -hmm. It's not our main focus because cats aren't, our main focus is this uh, dog, human, um, conflict that we're trying to resolve and also um, community health where the cats really aren't the ones um, causing any people don't seem to mind the cats you know there's no they're not running chasing after cars and motorcycles <laughs> yeah, true. right and um, they don't they're not spreading rabies so um, we really are focusing dogs but we certainly will help cats yeah uh, sure. and you also have adoption uh, programs we Apart do have treatment. adoption programs. However, no one adopts these, hardly anyone adopts these dogs locally. Um, what has changed over the years, which is great, is that more people will take puppies and adopt them off the road. So even though they don't adopt them from us, we, we also take pet cases because there really isn't, there, unlike Pune, which probably has some very big vet clinics um, where people bring their pets, Dharamtala yes, yes. does not have that. There's a couple small pet clinics, but they're not very good. They're just really selling breed dogs in cages. And so a lot of people want to come to us um, with their pets. Um, and I will say about 50% of the people that come with their pets, 50% are local dogs and 50% are breed dogs. So that's a big change mm -hmm. over the years. Um, it used to be only breed dogs or pets, and now more people are taking them off the roads. The other big change we've seen is that there is more and more people feeding and caring for dogs in their localities, um, which is amazing. And the best thing that that does for us is that when we go out 
catching, like, first of all, we learned about rescue situations much quicker. So if a dog was hit by a car, we usually hear it much quicker. If a dog has any sort of disease, we hear it uh, much more quickly because there's people checking on these dogs every day. Um, Not all of them, but, uh, you know, lots of them, hundreds of them, if not thousands. And, um, and then we can actually catch them easier. Like we used to have to take out nets. Um, we still have to on occasion, but now normally we can just give a dog a treat, scoop it up in our arms and put it in our van. So mm-hmm. it makes everything more humane, you know, um, Wonderful. the whole yeah. community is involved. So today, uh, Deb, uh, across India, I have noticed this, uh, drive where people are, uh, dissuading people from buying breed dogs and adopting indie dogs. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that is a trend that is catching up very, very fast, especially in the cities. Uh, is that also happening in places like Dharamsala where you are operating? Not really. I mean, I mean, it is changing, but I would say there's still way too many people buying breed dogs. And I don't know how the breeders are in the rest of India, but the breeders in our area are pretty horrible. Like they're adopting dogs out at four weeks old. They're not, they're too young to have gotten any of their puppy vaccinations. They end up with parvo or other deadly diseases. They're not properly socialized. So it's, it's not great, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not great, but what we are seeing is um, more people adopting off the street and then more people sort of, uh, more locals sort of like chiding each other, like at least online when I see it, like, why are you adopting a breed dog? You right. know, they would say something. Yes, they will say mm-hmm. something. So that And that I would say is definitely more of the That's a change. generation. You know, I would say the main feeders are those two. Like the way I see it is that a lot of the people that were probably like, you know, somewhere between 12 and 16 when we first started, they're now like the biggest supporters of what we do. You know, they're the most vocal, they're the biggest feeders um, and the biggest advocates for getting these dogs adopted and sort of shaming others for adopting breeds, yeah. which is great, which is great you know, because that's what you want. You want the community to be involved. You don't want it always being the NGO and certainly not me, the American, you know, telling other people what to do in their own country, you know, coming, uh, coming to that, uh, you are staying so far away from the, place where the NGO is operating. Uh, When we talk about the cultural differences, we talk about the rules and regulations there in terms of uh, animal populations. Do you see a situation where that could be implemented in India? You mean what we do in the United States? Yes. Implemented in India? Yeah. So believe me, I've had so many conversations and like thought sessions about this. I would say no, um, because and every time someone recommends it, um, I think now I'm believe me, I'm no scientist, but I believe that scientifically it would not be possible. Um, so the same reason why like culling dogs in India does not work, um, because basically when you have a huge street dog population. And especially if there's garbage on the road and food. That is, yeah, that is a huge 
problem. Even if you killed all the dogs or even humanely euthanized all of the dogs in one area, that area is then going to be filled up by new dogs. By new dogs, yeah. Yeah. So the only thing, and this is going to sound so silly, but I would say I was talking to this woman and I said, I feel like the only thing that could happen is if India decided all at once, like all at the same time, and every town had like an area where these dogs would go all at once, they get moved into these areas. You know what I mean? Like yeah. any dog that misbehaved, like that clearly <laughs> like any dog that was like aggressive and, you know, cause in the United States, like even the no kill rescues, if it's a dog that they know will never be adopted and is a constant threat to humans, we will euthanize that dog. You know, mm-hmm. that does happen. That does not happen in India, you know? True. Um, and in fact, that's something I feel like maybe some laws could be implemented around that. Um, but I don't know, like for instance, so wait, I'm getting, so that, that's the problem. And then I was like, well, what would happen anyway? Um, yeah. So then you would have, but the problem is, is like, who is going to take care of all these dogs? Who is going to feed all of these dogs? Who is going, you know, like, I can't even, I don't see how it could be proper, but probably yeah. it's a systemic, it's a systemic problem. You need to get it very systematically, uh, you know, yeah. sort out. It, it is not only one pronged, it is something that there are so many factors to it. It's not only so spaying or neutralization. Yeah. It is also yeah. educating, it is awareness. It is yes, it's educating, that, yeah. it's awareness, it's like getting um yeah, and you know, basically then the public works the, the garbage work, yeah, would have to work better. And I know even um in Dharamshala, they now have a much better system um they have uh trucks that drive by people's homes and they in the morning and you're supposed to put your garbage and i know that people still don't do it you know they're still oh. their garbage so um you know there needs to be a lot more education i mean and this is kind of um like to bring it to a different issue like for instance there was a big slum area in dharamsala and they were working to get them all into apartments like small apartments and out of the tent mock right. tent village yeah so basically a lot of factors affecting a lot of factors issue. yeah but they brought put those people in but they had never used toilets before so like all the toilets got everything got backed up you know what i mean so there's so much that would have to be thought through before mm-hmm any situation like that with dogs happen. I don't know. Yeah. But I would like so Deb, to Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So Deb, you've talked about uh, animal rescue. You speak about dogs. And uh, so today, are you happy with the way things are working out? Um, I am very happy that we've hit a couple goals that we've reached. Um, I would say there's still, there's still things that are constantly, there's, I mean, just like with any job, I guess, whether you're in a nonprofit or for-profit sector, there's always things that are really irritating <laughs> and you wish yeah. that they were. You wish, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there, there are challenging times when you are wanting to change things, but then you just have to be accepting yeah. of what happens. Accepting. I would say the the positive things are we have more people in the community caring, more people in the community adopting off the street, we have, we're hitting higher goals for our spay, neuter, and vaccination. 
Um, the biggest issues are the lack of people adopting dogs um, from us to help us clear our shelter. We used to mm -hmm. send some, a bunch of dogs overseas because people in the US and Canada would um, pay like $3,000 for one of these dogs. And now there's been a lot of bans in those countries and changes right. of rules. So that's sort of mm -hmm. inhibited um, uh, our use of that. The other big problem is the veterinary practices. So we have a really hard time um, keeping good vets or getting vets that even want to do this mm -hmm. work. Um, mm -hmm. in our local, in Dharamsala, in Himachal in general, everybody who goes to vet school wants a government job. So <laughs> I think in cities, everybody who goes to vet school wants a private practice, I think, but yeah, so we can't keep them. And so it's sort of this rotating, we get a, um, a vet, we train them, um, how to do everything. And then they move on. Mm -hmm. And then they get a government job. So it's really hard to keep a good momentum of our programs going with that. That's a, right. that's a big issue. Yeah. And do you manage to get good funding, uh, knowing that your nonprofit is not in your home country, it's somewhere else? Yeah. Um, most of our funding is not local. Um, we are working really hard to get more Indians donating. I will say we do get quite a bit of, um, not quite a bit, but we get a decent amount of funding. It's growing from the city areas like Pune and Delhi and Mumbai. I mean, and that's just like every country, the cities are more progressive, right? And they're thinking, um, and I would not say in India donating has been historically something Indians do. After living there, I would say, from my understanding, like instead of donating to an organization, since many are not trustworthy um, or people have a fear of the money not going to where it's supposed to go, um, yeah. people more give to like their maid's son's <clears throat> college or, you know, they're giving money, but just the immediate vicinity. Yes. In, yeah. Yeah. Where they know the money is going. Exactly. Exactly. So I would say in Dharamsala, that's still more what is happening. Like people are not trustworthy of NGOs, but I would say for more for us, um, I think they trust us. I think that instead they treat us like a government organization that they can demand things from us. <laughs> that's not for fun either. So they draw, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of yelling, a lot of drama, a lot of demanding. Um, there's a lot of really grateful people for sure. But I would say in general, um, people, it, it, yeah, the local d donating in Dharamsala is not part of the culture um, yet, yet. Um, actually, my friend from Pune, who I know who I was talking to you about before we got on the call, she told me she thinks Dharamsala is 70 years behind Pune. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, it's basically that. a tourist tourist place. People just come there for a few days and then they go back. Yes. Nobody is interested in, you know, staying there other than the locals there. Yeah. So Well, what did change over COVID is that a lot of city people who wanted a different type of life and they could telecommute moved to the area. 
So there is a lot more younger, I would say, techie type people working from home and opening little cafes um, yeah. than there were prior to um, COVID. So right. you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best for uh, the funding part of it and uh, for getting yeah. good vets in Dharamsala. Anybody who's watching this and listening to this, please yes. and we take uh, help out. Volunteer vets from all over the world. If you want to come help us with our spay-neuter program or if you want to help us with our rescues, um, we're always, always grateful. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I noticed your website also. You had a lot of information about uh, the pets, the dogs that you have rescued and treated and they're up for adoption. Yes, yes, yes. And if you can't adopt, you can always sponsor while they're living at DAR. So Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I would encourage everybody who's listening to this, please visit uh, Dharamsala Animal Rescue website and help Deb and her organization do the good work that she is doing. Thank you so much, Deb. Thank you so it much. Indeed, wonderful to have somebody come here for a short visit and then decide to do something about a problem that plagues the locality. That's amazing. You're doing a wonderful it's been, job. It's been a huge blessing in my life. Like I feel so grateful that this is how my life turned out. So that is wonderful. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> And that's it from me for this episode. Uh, see you all again in the next episode, meeting yet another amazing personality, sharing his or her inspiring story. Till then, goodbye.